Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. This is another version of the shirts that are available, so I am a model myself this morning. All right, we continue in Proverbs. That's how we decided to start our year this year, some, some proverbial wisdom, because we want 2017 to be better than 2016, and we thought that some wisdom from God might help. So it wasn't haphazard. We meant to do this. Proverbs and books like it are a section of the Bible called wisdom literature, and that's how our Bible is built. It's built with groups of books that reveal different things about God as He wants us to know them. So the whole thing, the Bible starts with a group of books called the law because God wants us to know his law, his commandments. It's important to him that we know what he wants. And it's not just that. You can also know a lot about the giver of the law by reading the law. You read what he wants and you get to know him. And what does he want more than anything? He wants you to know him. There's a group of books called the history books. Because God wants us to know his history with people. What, what can you expect in your interaction with God going forward, tomorrow, the day after that, in the future? What's he going to be like with you? Read history. He does not change like the shifting shadows. How he was with people is how he's going to be, and he wants you to know that. There's a group of books called the Good News Books, the, the Gospels. And they reveal most specifically Jesus. Jesus is all the way through the Bible. He's not just reserved for those books, but most specifically, he's revealed there because God wants you to know the son he sent. He wants you to know why he sent that son and why you need him. So he wrote it down for us. There's a group of books called the letters, and they're really instruction for the church because God thinks it's important that we know how to be his church in the world. Proverbs and books like it, the wisdom literature, are given to us by God because God is wise, He is wisdom, and He wants us to know it. Proverbs reveals the wisdom of God, and He gives it to us, we have it, because He loves us. Reading Proverbs is like sitting down with a good dad. The whole thing is so practical. It's like sitting down with a good dad who would say, hey, if you do this, it's going to go bad. If you do this, it's going to go good. And I'm telling you this because I love you and I want it to go good for you. As a parent, I understand that. He loves us. So he, God wants it to go well with us. So he gives us his wisdom. And it's full of practical, everyday stuff. I love it. So just a few examples. Proverbs is full of things like this. Well, God, God will say this. Do you like to eat? Feel free to answer. Do you like to eat? Then I hope you like to work. Because if you don't like to work, you're not going to eat. That's wisdom from God. Do you want your husband to wish that he lived on the roof instead of under it with you? Then stop nagging him under it. I mean, that's, that's just what he says. If you hang out with fools, it's going to go really bad for you. It would be better if you ran into an angry bear on your way to meet a fool. He says that. 
That's an, actual, that's an actual piece of wisdom from God. It would be better if you ran into an angry bear than meet a fool. A she-bear who lost her cubs. That's the actual translation. I've not said she-bear ever, ever. Never said that word. Just said it twice already this morning. I love it. Super practical. So I hope you're reading it. The challenge has been for you to read it, for me to read it. The number of chapters matches the number of days, and so it's pretty easy, right? January 31. As I've read it, I, I hold a single thought in my mind, and the thought is this. What does God want me to hear him saying from these pages? If the Bible is the primary way in which God speaks, and it is, there's no lightning bolt. There's no voice. There's no—he's not going to show up. How does God talk? How does he speak? How does he reveal himself so that we know the word? So if that's the way, then I'm always asking him, what is it that you want me to know? What's important to you? And so as I've read through it, I'm a whole bunch of stuff is there, obviously. Proverbs is full of all kinds of things, some of which we've covered. I mean, there's a ton of warnings. Warnings about adultery, warnings about laziness, warnings about pride. There's tons of instruction about love and money. But here's what I found interesting. With that question, as I've read through it, I, as this is especially in chapters 10 through 20. For every one thing that he'll have to say about laziness, he'll say two or three about watch your mouth. For every one thing he'll say about pride, he'll say two or three or even four about the necessity of obedience. Who cares if you read Proverbs? You can, we can have five Bibles full of Proverbs. We can listen to them all day long. But if you do nothing with what you hear, it's useless. That's actually a proverb. The necessity of obedience is proverbial. It's wisdom from God. So that's how we're going to end our series. Today is, what does God have to say about the words that come out of our mouth? Wisdom for our words. Speak wisely. And then next week, a plan for obedience. The necessity of obedience. And I like ending with, with both of those because I need both of those. I need wisdom when it comes to the words that come out of my mouth because probably, it is probably the place that I could say I have been the most careless. If there's anything that got me in trouble in 2016, my mouth has got to be number one. Did your mouth get you in trouble last year? Did your mouth get you in trouble this morning? I guarantee, <laughs> well, I got people looking at each other like, mm, see, well, I told you. And I'm not even making it up. That's kind of like that preacher joke, like, oh, and I'm not even trying to be that. Like, everybody looked at one another, like, I told you. And you know, <laughs> you know when you say it. Like, you know when you say it. You knew this morning you shouldn't have said it. And now you're sitting there in regret, aren't you? The subtitle, the subtitle of this whole series was No Regrets, actually. It got scrapped along the way, but that was the subtitle, No Regrets. So um, I, I need that. I think we all do. My relationships would be better in every direction if I was more careful, if I operated with more wisdom. And that makes sense because the very first thing that God has to say about it, you Start looking at what is the bulk of what he has to say about words. The, the number one thing he has to say about it is that words are powerful. And you will notice that I have turned over a new leaf in the new year. And 
I'm filling in the bulletins for you now, and we'll continue to do that so you can just chill and listen. Powerful. Words are powerful. They can be powerful for the good and powerful for the bad. I summarized some of what God has to say about the power of words here. He says they can give life to someone, but they can get you in trouble. Words can feed many. Words are, God uses words to spread knowledge. You should spread knowledge with your words. Spread knowledge about him. What's the, the New Testament verse that says, how will anybody know? How will anybody believe? How will anyone have faith unless they hear? And how will they hear unless you tell them how beautiful are the feet that bring the... God uses words. He uses situations like this and people like me and whatever comes out to save people. Do I save people by saying things like this? How good does this sound? God does not come after you because of who you are. God comes after you because of who he is. He's just that good, and you don't deserve it, but he's unrelenting. And someone will hear that and go, I believe. (laughs) Change your life. Save you. With a word. That's, that God decides to use them that way. Words, though, words also, coming out of the same person, will destroy a neighbor. They can tie you up. They can set you free. They can be swords that cut people down. Or they can bring healing to body and soul. They can build your house or tear it apart. This one... You can build, there's a, we'll talk about her later. There's a Proverbs 31 wife. Some of the wives in here don't like her. You can read about her. (laughs) She is busy, (laughs) busy. One of the things it says about her is like, she will build her home. Do you know one of the ways in which she builds her home? Words. And just as quickly, if you're a fool or foolish, you can tear down your own home with your mouth because words are powerful they will stir up anger they will bring a rod to your back i left that one out they will they can also though win you friendships with people in high places and and gain you all the benefit of those relationships with people in high places they will burn your life down they will set your life on fire or they can be like cold water to a parched soul Maybe the, the most clear way in which God says that they are powerful is 1821. He says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat. Listen, you will eat the fruit of your words either way. But you had better, wait, let me, I'm going to say you a lot today. This entire message is aimed at me. Are, are we clear? Okay, from that point on, I'm going to say you a lot, but I mean me too. You will eat the fruit of your words. It will come back to you. It's the truth that God has laid out there. How many would agree with God that words are powerful? I promise you, you are living right now with words that someone spoke to you, and they went in, and they've rattled around in there, and you've been carrying them in there 
for years maybe, for good or for bad, I'll bet you up and down the roads, you're thinking who said what and what did they say and when did they say it, and you're still hanging on to it. And it shaped you. And they come from all different places. I carry around words with me that were spoken to me by a guy that I worked for over 15 years ago. He sat down with me in an office. It was back when you could smoke in offices. And he threw his cigarette smoke. I really liked the guy. His name was Carl. And he spoke a phrase to me that I still remember to this day about me, the sort of work that I do, and the sort of work that he believed that I would always do. It's crazy. That was 15 years ago. I can repeat it. And it changed. Like, I, I doubled my efforts for him. All because of a phrase. Uh, he just spoke to me about the sort of person that he thought I was and the kind of work that he thought I would do. And it just, they're powerful. And that was for the good. It can be for the bad. I don't know what, what's rattling around. It could be a parent, a teacher, a coach. I was having a conversation with a guy the other day who was telling me, us, a group of us, a story about a basketball game that he played in the 80s in the gym on the other, that's connected to this building on the other side. And he remembers a specific time. He can tell you exactly what the coach said in a single timeout in a basketball game that was played in the 80s on the other side of this building like it was yesterday. Coaches. Coaches, what you say is powerful. Teachers, I have a friend who was sharing with me about a teacher's interaction with his child. And that teacher said to that child, I see what you're trying to do here. I can appreciate your efforts. You're trying to sign up for the harder classes and all that stuff. But listen, you just don't have what it takes. Just go with it. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know what it created in that that guy? I mean, it was, he didn't even hear it, but it was, it was palpable. Like he was upset and still is. And that happened a year ago that you would say that. Teachers, coaches, parents, my dad wrote me a note when I was in college studying for finals. I still have it. He wrote me, he wrote me letters too. I don't know if I have all of those, but this was a note, and it meant so much. I still have it. It meant so much to me that I wrote the exact same note to my child who is studying at the exact same university, going through the exact same, well, not the exact same finals, but similar. The university is the finest in the land. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Boiler up, hammer down. They're powerful. Kids, this is not reserved for adult parent, parents, older people. Your words are powerful. If you don't think you can, if you can drive something into the heart of your parents, I don't care how big you are, like words are powerful, even from you. Uh, to your parents, to adults, or to classmates, I promise you, Middle school, high school, you start piling it on someone. Even, not even with your words, but even maybe your laughter, it's going to, it'll mark their heart. Because words are powerful. The entire course of my, 
God spoke three little words to me a long, long time ago. Three words, and those three words have changed the entire course of my life. I would not be standing here right now if he had not said those things. Just three. Words are powerful. So, because they are powerful, this is the next thing he says in Proverbs, because they are powerful, we need to think before we speak. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. Thought to the word, little w word, give thought to that word, will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Think about what you say before you say it. But the mouth of the wicked just pours out evil things. You don't even think about it. It just comes flying out. Do you see a man who is hasty with his words? He doesn't think about what he's about to say. There is more hope for a fool than for him. He who answers before he hears, oh, it is to his ruin. You gotta think before you speak. Why? Because words are incredibly powerful. He then takes think and he breaks it down into at least four areas that I could find. There might be more, but this is what I saw coming off of the page. And the first one is this. We're going to think before we speak because words are powerful. And the first thing we should think about, the first thing that, that might actually make your life be better, the thing that could possibly bring about the best existence for you, potentially, is to think about saying nothing. Sometimes the wisest thing you could say is nothing at all. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Amen. How many wish you could go back to the moment and not say what you said? It was right there. It bubbled up. Did you have good reason to say it? In the moment, did you have good reason? Y yeah. And they were wrong, and you were right, and you had to tell them, didn't you? And so you did, and you knew. You even had counsel not to tell them. People told you, don't tell them. It doesn't matter. It won't make any difference anyway. But you couldn't not say it. And so you did, and ever since then, it, that's when it, you're, it lit your li life on fire, and it's been burning ever since. It might be burning for a week, maybe burning for a month, maybe it's still on fire today. And it didn't need to be said. Listen, it didn't change anything. As a matter of fact, it probably made it worse. And if you keep it up, you're going to mark that relationship in a negative way. Well, it'll, it'll go away altogether. I have... I have relationships right now that the thing that is in between those, the relationship that we once had are words that I said. And our relationship is different, and we can't get around those words that I said because they're out there, and you can't undo them. And it changed the relationship for the, for the worse. And if I could go back, I would have just said nothing. Yeah, I got it off my chest, and I said it, and do I think it was true? Sure, but it didn't change anything, and it just really made my existence worse. Sometimes it's just better to say nothing. Whoever runs down his neighbor, listen to this one. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Hey, be quiet. 
Talk less. Say less. Just don't talk so much. You, you don't need to comment on everything. Just, just shut up. You don't need to say it. When someone sends the text that invites you to participate in running someone else down, this is what they did, this is who they are, like just say, be, don't say anything. Because the potential that whatever you type in there, that person may, you know how life works, whatever you type in, somehow they're going to read it. Why does that happen? It always happens. You, like, you say it, you weren't even thinking about it, then someone invited you in and you did it, and then they saw it, and you were going to wish you crawled into a hole. So just be quiet. Just say nothing. Say nothing when someone asks you about the coach. I've been in the stands a lot lately. A lot. There is so much chatter about the coach, that kid on the team, and the parents of that kid. The stands are alive with it. Do we have any coaches in here? I don't know, coaches, I don't know if you know this, but everybody behind you knows what to do. We all know how to fix what's going on in the court in front of you, and all, most of it has to do with how you could better utilize our child in your game plan. The next time you have the opportunity to talk about the coach, and it will be this week, Think about saying nothing or the kid or the parents of the kid. Say nothing. It's wise. Why? Because words are, they're powerful. You don't think, you don't think you can run it right into that coat? You don't think that, that he's removed from everything that you say, that he doesn't care, she doesn't care. It all sticks. Sometimes, it, here's my favorite proverb of the day, other than the she-bear. That was probably number one. 2620. For lack of wood, the fire dies. Stop throwing wood on it. Some of you are lumberjacks. You just can't help yourself. And if you just took wood off the fire, the fire will go out. Just stop talking about it. Wisdom from God. Say nothing. He says, think about saying or think about timing. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season how good... How good it is. The right word at the right time. It can be the right word, but at the wrong time, and you're still in just as much trouble. Timing. Think about timing. There's a, a right place and a right time for all. This is not a say-nothing situation. You should probably say something in these situations, but that's just not the right time. I'm thinking contextually all the time about my family and the relationships of those all around me because that's where I've struggled the most. 
My wife and I, in raising four kids, have disagreed at times about the best course of action for our kids for the day. We do not disagree about the best course of action for our kids for a lifetime. For that, we are locked on, we are on the same page, which is incredibly important, and we don't differ with that. But day to day, we differ about what might be best for them. Because she holds knowledge about them that I don't hold. She gains knowledge about them all day. I'm not with them, so I'm not there. I don't see, but she's gained knowledge. Like, they didn't put the cereal away. And started with that. And then they got up from the bar, and they left their bowl as if it was going to magically disappear. Public service announcement. If you eat something, and the container is still there, and you walk away from it, what do you think is going to happen to it? Does anybody know? Nothing. Except someone's got to go and deal with it. And they forgot their iPad and their room's a mess and whatever. And so it builds. And she has all this. They left that thing in their pocket again and it ruined the laundry. I don't know how it works, but I know if you leave certain things in your pocket, it will absolutely ruin laundry and may start a fire in the dryer. Do you know how many times I've heard that? I start a fire in the dryer. And I still don't know how that would happen, but whatever. It's not for me to know. Guess it can happen. So she has all this knowledge. So when I come home, I just haven't seen them. I love them. I want to relate with them. I want to be with them because, hey, we have one out of the house already and I got a limited amount of time. So when I hear it escalate in the kitchen, when things start to escalate in the kitchen and I walk out there, do you know what that is? That is the wrong time. That is the wrong time to express any disagreement. That's what that is. Timing. Do we need to talk? Absolutely. Do we need to share perspective? Yes. So I can gain her perspective? Oh, yeah, well, I'd have done that too. But, but when we don't have that same knowledge and we go at it, I'm getting better. I'm actually getting way better. Happened like once this week only. We went to a swim meet and my parents were there, and then she sat beside my mom on the other side, and I sat beside my dad, and my dad's like, what'd you do? I'm like, how'd you know? How'd you know? <laughs> and what does it go back to? It goes back to timing. Timing. Proverbs 25, 20 says this, don't sing a song to a person in sorrow. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. Time, know what's going on. If someone is sitting, we, we've talked about mud puddling here, right? If someone you love is sitting in a mud puddle, means things didn't go very good today, it's not the end of the world, it's just difficult, I'm in a mud puddle and I'm sitting in it, what they don't need is for you to come in and it's like, it's just a mud puddle, stand up, this is what you need to do. They don't, they just sit down in it with them. Don't sing a song to a sorrowful heart. Like, be able to read it. Wisdom from God says, read the situation. Read it. And don't mess it up. Timing is important. You sit in it with them, and then when they're ready to stand up, they will. And then you can talk about it. Everything, everything where I have misspoke, like, it's the relationships that I feel like I'm chipping away at and wrecking, or be just my family relationships, maybe a little bit outside of that. But it's all right there timing. If we lose by four 
and my son walks up the bleachers, and there are other people around, and he missed five foul shots, timing. It's not the time. If he wants to talk about it later, we can, but timing. It, it, everywhere. So just think about timing. Think about saying nothing. He also says, think before you speak and think about tone. 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you want a more joyful existence from this day forward every day. Anybody want that? Tone. Tone. Here's the truth. You roll it out to someone in a harsh way, you're going to stir up. I don't care who they are. They can be the most gentle soul in the world. They're only going to take it for a while. But you roll it out with harshness, and you're going to kick something up in them, and it's coming right back to you. And your life could be instantly better. My life, you just watch tone. If you roll it out in a harsh way, you're going to stir it up in them, and you're going to get it back. You'll change the whole course of the day on tone alone. Even tone this morning will change your whole day. Guys, how do you want today to go, guys? It's a Sunday. There's football. You can eat some good food. Like, it could be a great day. Don't mess it up. Tone. The, from the back of our car, my wife asked a simple question. The, the tone breakers are the ones you can't even hear yourself anymore. You don't even hear yourself saying it, but you do. You need help. You need people around you to help you hear what you've just said so you can get it corrected. She asks a simple question. Hey, who in your class might be doing this? Or who would know how to do some of this? And the answer from the back, just like, I don't know. It's over. Like, Whatever we were going to do, it's over. You've stirred something up in her that is going to come back to you and everybody else. And it's not her fault. It's your fault. Do you see the difference between, I don't know, and I'm not real sure. The difference between, I don't know, and I'm not real sure, is your day. It's the difference in your day is what that is. And you have it. And God, because he loves us, says, watch your tone. This is the one. And listen, I know there are things that kick up the harshness in us. Guys, there's actually a, a charge in the New Testament that speaks very specifically to us on this issue. Do not be harsh with your wife. Why? Would there be a specific charge to not be harsh? Because naturally we will be. And there are lots of reasons why in all of us it gets kicked up. Life will produce harshness in your heart. Will it not? Just wake up and start going through your day. What happens? Well, it starts with the bowl. We can go back to the bowl. But everything else, I mean, you have to go someplace you didn't think you were going to have to go. You had your day all planned. You love it when you have your day all planned. It's all planned, and then like, oh, i got to do that. And even when someone asks you to do it, you're so upset by it because you had your day planned. And you say what? 
or whatever. It doesn't even matter. It could just be breathing. Don't breathe wrong. But it's one to another. It's not just my house. It's your house too. It's, I don't know. You don't feel good. You, it's just delayed satisfaction, delayed gratification, underappreciated. You know what produces harshness in you? You're underappreciated. Like nobody cares. They just kind of trample over you and it gets all kinds of stuff. And you have no idea what's producing it someone, but it's right there and it's going to come out. I saw there was a factory that let out on the south side of town, and they always have to wait down this long kind of a lane before they can turn out on the main road. And this guy, the guy in the back wasn't paying attention, and he, and he, he smashed into this coworker who smashed into the next one, who smashed into the next one. It was like one, two, three, four, and there they all sat, like right after work. They just got off work. And the guy's hood in the back is all crumpled, and everybody else, and you know they know each other. <laughs> they all work together. They probably don't even really like each other that much. When they get home, is there harshness brewing in there? It's just life. But you better leave your shoes at the door. Guys, leave your shoes at the door. Leave your shoes outside. And metaphorically speaking, the real shoes and everything else, you leave it out there because it had nothing to do with her. My wife has actually told me, I wish I was one of your subcontractors. You're nicer to them. Why? And really, it's not even it. It's just tone. The wisdom is this. The wisdom is this. You roll it out. It's coming back. Soft answer melts it all. So tone and then contact. We'll end with these. It does matter what you say. So I put some notes over on your side. And we can just kind of go through some of these. I mean, there's all kinds of notes on content, what you should say. But God would have to say this. Know what's acceptable and speak it. So you can just kind of read along with me. The lips of the righteous know what's acceptable. Listen, of all the things there is to say in the world, of all the topics there, there, there are to discuss, stay on stuff that's acceptable. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be coarse. You don't have to be, a, a, be perverted. You don't have to be crass. You don't know the situation, know what's acceptable, and speak that way. Spread knowledge. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. I'll go back to the Proverbs 31 lady. This is what it said. This is how she builds her house. This is the kind of knowledge that she spreads. Said the wise woman, she builds her house. The teaching of kindness is on her lips. She is teaching those in her household about kindness. Spread knowledge. What do you know? Some of you spread it a little thinner. We know how much you know already. <laughs> spread knowledge. Speak gracious words. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul. Grace is the only thing that changes anyone anyway. You know that, right? Grace is the only thing that changes anyone anyway. And it starts with God to you. You did not change because of his law. 
Did you change because God said don't? You didn't. You know when you changed? When you realized that he was all into you, when you realized that even though you were a mess, he looked past it and came after you anyway. That, when you realized how good he was to you when you didn't deserve it, grace, that's what changed you. Then after you woke up to that grace, that's what made you come back around and say, well, now I don't want to do that because I love him because he's been so good to me. Grace is the only thing that will change you. Graceful words are the only thing that's going to bring about what you want in somebody else. And it can't be false. You can't manufacture it. You can't flatter. You can't lie. That doesn't produce it. Grace. Speak to them what they don't. You're going to need grace anyway because someone's going to be harsh with you as soon as we walk out of here. Speak gracious words. These are the words I was reading this morning. Psalm 130. These are, the, these are the words that I read. Psalm 130. This, the psalmist is saying, God, if you were to keep track of all of my sin, no one could stand. No one would survive. But in the place of that, in light of that, you gave forgiveness. And I needed to hear it. That's exactly what I needed. I wasn't even searching for it, but when I opened it up and I read that, that's what I needed to hear it. And there's something about gracious words that are they're sweet to the soul. Like it changes things. Speak gracious words. When I realized how important, how powerful words are, I mean, you kind of go through this and you're thinking about words all the time. I decided that I would speak some gracious words. I called the corporate headquarters of a bank because I wanted to pass on a compliment of two people that worked in one of the branches, how their interaction with me this past year has really helped me. So I was trying to find the boss to pass on a gracious word to them because I know words are powerful. So I called up and I told him what I wanted to do. And she's like, what? <laughs> you want to do what? I'm like, I want to compliment two employees. You know, we don't have a system for that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Am I right? We don't have a system for that. Gracious words. I have a drawer full of gracious words in my desk. I've kept some things that you guys have said to me over the years. Part of it was because of insecurity. Part of it was because one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So if you say, boy," I just puff up like a... Someone was walking with me the other day. So we announced... We, we formed... We announced Steve taking over. I'm not stepping down, I'm stepping aside. Everybody know that? I'm not stepping down, I'm stepping aside. Steve's a leader now, and it's going to be good. They are working hard. They've, they've got a whole team of people that have been thinking and praying and planning about our next steps all weekend long. It's going to be good. So we just prayed over him, and, and it's just a reminder again that I'm stepping aside. So I was walking up the back. Someone started, just started... Uh, they just started walking beside me. They didn't really say anything until we got to the steps. And as we went up the steps, he said, you see this jacket that I have? I like this jacket. I've had this jacket for about 10 years. It's comfortable. I don't ever want to lose this jacket. You're like this jacket. I just don't want you to go away. I'm like, I'm not. I'm going to be right up here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right up here over 20 Sundays a year doing what exact, doing the, doing the three things, 
living out the three words that God spoke to me, feed my sheep. That's what I'm going to do. Gracious words. He called me an old coat. <laughs> I totally dig it. Thank you. Right? So it matters. You can hang on to those. Speak gracious words. Don't lie. Don't curse your parents. I'm a little bit over, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on two and then, we'll, then I'll sit down. Don't curse your parents. This is what God says. Kids, and we're all kids. Don't curse your parents. If anyone curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out. You curse your parents. You speak poorly to them. You dishonor your parents with your words, and God's going to snuff out your little light. Let's snuff it out. It matters to him how you speak to your parents. It matters. You, Proverbs 23, 20 says, they gave you life. You will honor them in their old age, even if their old age is 42. I know you think it's ancient. It's not. You honor them. You honor them with your words. When you pop off to them, when you cut them down, when you speak poorly, you forget yourself. You forget that everything you have came from them. It came from God through them, but it came through their hand. They've been very open-handed with you. Listen, they didn't get to pick you either. <laughs> they didn't. You can complain all you want. Uh, hey, you came out, all right? So we're dealing with it. They have made a thousand sacrifices for you. Sacrifices you will never know or appreciate. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. You don't go there. God will snuff your little light out. You speak poorly to them. And that's him saying it, not me. Don't nag, don't brag. Listen, God says it four times. Wives, just think about it for a moment. We, we talked about the harshness of the guys, but you think about yourself. If you are honest, what do you talk to him about? When he come, what is your conversation? And the things that you speak to your husband, could it possibly sound like to him a constant drip? I mean, just be honest about it. And if you are a constant drip, change the subject. If God wants some, if he wants you to get something, he only has to say it once. He said this four times. Just don't. It's not wise to do that. Don't brag. Let the praise of you come from someone else. That's why you have Facebook anyway, right? <laughs> Change your profile picture. You're gorgeous. You're gorgeous. Every, we all get that, right? Facebook is not about—it's ah, for you. Use your Facebook post to talk about someone else. Don't change your profile picture for a whole year, even if you look bad, and only post about other people and how awesome they are, because we already know how awesome you are. And here's the last one. This is what thundered in my own heart, and I didn't know it was in there. When you read Proverbs, there will be Proverbs that make you smile. 
the, the take the wood off the fire made me smile. And then there will be things that hit you directly straight on. And you know, you know you've, you're in error on this one. And you have to turn around. You have to repent. And this is one. Look at this. 29.1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Think about the context of your family. If all you have to say to those around you is constant critique and criticism, you're going to break something in them that you'll never get back. What else do they hear from you? What else do the people you love the most, what do they hear from you? Just constant, like this and that. And Listen, here's the warning. You keep it up. You give them a steady diet of criticism and reproof and critique, and you starve them from affirmation and approval. You're going to break something in them, and it says they won't heal. That's what God said. You're going to break, and they won't come back for it. Give it a break. Is, is critique and criticism necessary? Is reproof necessary in a home? Absolutely. No one wants to be around a kid who's never been corrected. They're awful. But you had better, you'd better balance your criticism. They had better hear along with, is that B? Is, I realize you got four A's. You got one B. Was that your best? Change your shirt. Look respectable. Be quiet. What a, whatever the case is. They had better. When, when my sons come to work with me, I'm impatient. Listen, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do the same stuff I know how to do. I've done it a hundred times. And when they don't do it as fast as I do or as good as I do, they get this steady grind. And if I keep that up, every time they get in the truck to go to work with me, all they're going to get is this diet of criticism. Something's going to break. It's going to snap, and I won't get it back. There had better be something in there that says, you have what it takes. You, I see this in you. This is good. Find it. We sure find the other. Find it. Honest appreciation, approval, the building up, not always the tearing down. You will break something in them and you will not get them back. Thus saith the Lord. All right. It's me again. It's 10.07. Aren't you glad I'm back? I know. I know. I know. I know what you say about it. I know what you say about me. I hear your words. Single takeaway. Single takeaway. Think. You are surrounded by a thousand conversations this week. And the one thing I want to pop into your head, that God wants you to pop into your head as you go through is think, think, and then speak, maybe, and when you do speak wisely. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, thanks for the wisdom, the practical wisdom. And may we put it into practice for the sake of our day today. We won't, we won't even get any further than today. May we speak wisely today so we have a great day. And we ask it in Jesus' name and everybody said.